This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Previously on Colors. Shonda Buchanan is a renowned author, poet, artist, and educator. And she's written a new book called Black Indian, a memoir. And in this book, she challenges us to think deeper about who we are, not just as blacks or Indians, but any race. And in the process, she's gotten some pushback. I get from some black folks that, why do you have to claim Indian? Do you, is, are you trying to be better than us? At the same time, I've gotten from American Indians, you know, why do you claim you're black? Why can't you just stay Indian? Why can't you just, you know, maintain this side of the culture? And so why, and I'm like, why do you, oh, go ahead. why do you think they do that? It makes them feel safe. Coming up in this episode of Colors. We continue with Shonda Buchanan on the subject of backlash. I almost have this feeling that you are not allowed. You're not allowed to backlash. You're not allowed because we have gained this office and then to regroup so that you can undermine us. Or you are not allowed because we have um, progressed in or or, uh, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma because we have gained uh, and created and built a business community out of nothing. You are not allowed to to come back with your quote unquote people and take or murder. And so this is when I say that I have started confronting backlash and uh, comments or, um, you know, people who would say say certain things that are, detrimental emotionally physically spiritually financially to me i address it immediately that's coming up in this episode of colors simmering racial tensions segregation now and tomorrow and forever fighting injustice i have a dream conflict looming brutality exposed i can't breathe i can't breathe The search for solutions starts here. From WTOP in Washington, D.C. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Stephanie Gaines Bryant, wife and mother of four and an African-American woman. Marieli Lopez-Santana, I'm Puerto Rican and I reside in Virginia. I'm Dan Shelley and I'm white. My name is Albert Takeshi Shimabukuro. I'm a Japanese Okinawan here in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm J.J. Green and this is Colors. Talking with Shonda Buchanan, author of Black Indian, has been an enlightening experience on a number of levels. One of the most important for me was recognizing that I grew up near and on Native American territory and didn't even really think about it. There were the Nottaway, the Monacan, Akamak, Maharan, Nanzimut, Mataponai, Chickahominy, and many other tribes that were native to where I grew up that I never spent a day recognizing. But I'm taking time to do that now. I'm grateful for their contributions to this nation. And another thing that was important as we talked was the issue of backlash. It's happening in America, 
A lot of people, many of them white, but it's not just them, but people of other races, they're tired of this uncomfortable feeling that diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging efforts nationwide have produced, and they want it to stop. So that's where we pick up our conversation today with Shonda Buchanan, who is saying essentially, no way. I almost have this feeling that you are not allowed you're not allowed to backlash. You're not allowed because we have gained this office and then to regroup so that you can undermine us. Or you are not allowed because we have um, progressed in, or, or uh, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, because we have gained a, a, and created and built a business community out of nothing. You are not allowed to, uh, um, to come back with your quote unquote people and take or murder, you know, you, and so this is when I say that I have started confronting backlash and uh, comments, or um, you know, people who would say say certain things that are um, uh, detrimental emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially to me. I address it immediately, and I I address it because that's who I am. I'm not trying to fight. I'm not trying to like, I'm tired. So this is a, a, a community precept as well. Uh, both African-Americans and American Indians, we're kind of tired of explaining race and what it what it's like to be black in America, what it's like to be Indian in America. We're tired of explaining that to white people. Um, and so what we have started saying is that white people have to fight them, fight each other. For those awake and aware and politically astute white folks, you have to fight your unaware, the ignorant, the uneducated, the, you know, those who would harm us, um, you have to fight them now. And I'll continue to educate, but I'm not going to argue. I would just address. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> yes. Well, that, you know, that makes perfect sense. I mean, mm. there are other places and other um, opportunities where energies, your energies and mine and those of other people who uh, have something bit different and better to do should put those energies as opposed exactly. to as, as opposed to getting up every day and, and, it, and it being Groundhog's Day, you know, trying right. to do that I'm, same thing. I'm, exactly. I want to <laughs> I want to tell stories. I want to call history in a way that I am illuminating, you know, yeah. what happened in the past in a way that we can use it to build better communities and better futures and heal ourselves. That's, that's what I do. Hopefully that's what I tend to do with language. Yeah. I want to use language as a tool for healing, uh, as a tool for retribution, uh, as a tool for redemption for, you know, for ourselves, none of us are perfect. Right. Yeah. But in the story, in the narrative, you get to see the multifaceted uh, sensibilities of families and our communities and this country and you get to address certain things in a, in a in a narrative way, in a storytelling way. And then hopefully when you're talking, when you're using language in that way, it becomes um, a platform for healing and, and, and something that we can use like a utilitarian like a tool to be better, to be better in ourselves and our communities. Shonda Buchanan is a mesmerizing writer, one to watch. That's also what Amazon said about you, or someone said it on Amazon, Jane Fitch, Janet Fitch, sorry, mm -hmm. best-selling author of White Oleander, The Revolution of Marina M. and Chimes of a Last Cathedral, said that about you. There are any number 
of noted authors and journalists that have said things like that about you. But what you've heard, folks, is why they're saying these things about her, because she just has such an such. I'm going to use the word imperial here, but I'm saying it in a really good way. She has a supreme command of liter of literature, literacy, and the ability to communicate it to us. And perhaps imperial, maybe I should just erase that word and not use it. But what I'm saying is she is journalistic royalty. And I'm <laughs> so, so glad you talked with us today about this. But I want to get back to your book for a couple of minutes before we go and ask you, well, just first, I want to make this point. Coming from where I come from, the word not away means something. The word Maharan means something. Nottaway County, Virginia, you know, I'm very familiar with it because it's not far from where I grew up. The Maharan River is not far from where I grew up. And it is hearing these names that come from Native American culture, Native American life, is such a strong reminder to me and to other folks who listen to this podcast and people who matriculate in American life that are interested in learning and being better and understanding where we're going. It's such a strong reminder that it doesn't matter what we do or where we go. We cannot abandon this idea and this concept of making sure that history is preserved accurately. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I agree with that. And black Indian. thousand percent. And Black Indian does that. And you do it in so many ways when you speak and when you do whatever else you do uh, out there. And so I want to ask you, what's the next step in this process? Because there are people running around now talking about things like, as you mentioned, slavery was migration and and mm-hmm. the Holocaust never happened. And mm-hmm. just, just that the earth is flat. I mean, things that we know that have been <laughs> there are people that went to Texas Earlier this week, this being the 5th of November, 2021, expecting to see John F. Kennedy and John F. Kennedy Jr. emerge alive. (laughs) Wow. So there's this thing called disinformation out there. There's misinformation. And that's so the difference being misinformation is a mistake. Disinformation is deliberate. There are people out there that are pushing deliberate distortion of information and and history and stories, et cetera. So what is the next step? What does you, the author of Black Indian, think? What do you think we need to do as a country, as people, to make sure that we keep keep this fight going, keep pushing ahead? Uh, Tell the truth, I think. Uh, I want to add to your list. I think there's also disassociation happening, which is a psychological term, right? True. Uh, disassociation of the reality versus um, the fantasy uh, versus what they are uh, envisioning the world to be or envisioning people harming them because they are of color Uh, or um, uh, the sense of this is a sociological thing, uh, uh, a terminology, and I want to make sure I'm getting it correct. Uh, It's when when a person of color is expected to do something bad because they are of color, right? So there are like those kinds mm-hmm. of disassociations, creations of, of a, a fantasy world of being harmed by people of color or women if they're misogynist or, or um, uh, uh, lauded over by a, a smart woman, quote unquote. Um, so disassociation. And also, I, I'm just going to put it out there, mental illness. There are some yes. pe- um, uh, um people who belong to hate groups 
I'm not isolating any race, but there are some people who belong to those kinds of groups who are mentally ill, who did not get any kind of therapy or counseling or anything, and no one recognized it, or they just let them sit in the classroom until they pull out a gun, until they are they shoot us because we are whatever of color uh, uh, or um, so at some point laughed at them. I mean, there are so many uh, moments where we can look at the psychopaths, the sociopaths. We can we can look at them and and list get the transcripts of what they say of why they did certain things to people of color. They are mentally ill, mm. right? And so, and I want to advocate also for um, if we have a sensibility that someone in our classrooms uh, needs help then we need to get them help. And if we have a sense like Nikki Giovanni had about the shooter in her classroom at the University of Virginia, and she reported his writing and how he was writing violent things in her creative writing class, but no one listened to her, right? The administration didn't listen. It was like, oh, this is a story. She was like, I don't think this is a story. I know what a story sounds like. So I think that we have to be more vigilant as educators, as parents, to kind of say, okay, let me get you some help. Like, you know, what is, what's going on? What's happening? We, we just, we have to learn how to do this because the, you know, those kinds of things are happening more and more. And I think I even lost your, your last question. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, I, like, mean, I think you answered it. The question was, what do we do next? And I think oh, you, 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 you answered it yeah. right out of the gate. You said, tell the truth. Yeah. Tell the truth. Um, so I'm working on, I just finished editing a collection of poetry about one of the premier truth tellers, Nina Simone. Yeah. <laughs> and a collection of poetry about her, her life, her music, uh, you know, what she meant to the civil rights movement, uh, to, to Europe. In fact, there were people in, in Europe loved her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, how, how, the, how her truth telling uh, changed a generation, right? So, so Nina Simone is one of my what's next. Uh, and then also I'm working on a couple of other Uh, truth-telling books because um, one book I feel as if women, Black women, um, particularly, and I'm on this, I'm on the Black woman uh, um, uh, perspective right now, and I feel like we have, um, we are still sexualized. Mm -hmm. We are still, uh, even as young girls, we uh, are, are either spoken to or there is an innuendo of something that um, we are less than. And I'm working on a book to isolate certain stories, uh, narratives of Black women to try to illuminate when and where this has happened over time and then how we can be proactive in our language and in our actions so that we are, um, I shouldn't say not doing it, but aware and and have the ability to um, to examine, explore, hopefully change, hopefully change. Mm-hmm. That uh, at the same time, uh, I'm working on a second memoir, which is I like to say my Black woman's eat, pray, love. So it's about uh, relationships and spirituality and ceremony, and it's really kind of my how I became uh, how I became immersed in American Indian culture and how I reclaimed Indian tradition and Indian ways, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a real way that, um, you know, while I'm writing, while I'm living my life, while I'm raising my daughter 
and just really trying to reclaim, you know, these this, these spiritualities, also African um, traditions and spiritualities as well. So those are my what's next for me. Uh, yeah. And then just, you know, working on um, I actually I received uh, a couple of well, I received a grant from the city of Los Angeles. It's called the I'm a master artist for the city of L.A. now. Good. Congratulations. And I know it's it's so exciting. It's really exciting. So this grant uh, I got because I want to write a collection of poetry and do a couple of lectures about the founders of L.A., uh, but the pre the pre uh, the predecessors of the founders of L.A. as well, the American Indians the Shumash, the Tanva, the Gabrielano, you know, those who were here before those Spanish missions came. And then also the 14 families that, uh, uh, that came and, and started um, uh, the city, you know, the city municipality. municipality. Um, so I have a lot of projects. <laughs> I'll stop there. <laughs> you have a lot going on. So, okay, That's we're going to um, finish this off. What have I not asked you about? I think maybe uh, what you haven't asked me about is um, reclaiming the American Indian culture and, you know, what that how I did it and what that meant and um, why, you know, why I did it as well. And again, that's something that I'm, you know, writing about in the second memoir. Okay, enlighten us on that. Well, I will say I, I will say how how I started. And I and I asked that brother, I say this because. After my talks, my readings, I generally have half of the people in line for me to sign the books ask me this question. How did you start going to powwows? How did you start doing ceremony? So my answer is uh, I always maintained that, you know, I was mixed race, that I had my American Indian uh, ancestry heritage. Uh, I said it to a friend of mine who introduced me to someone else um, who became a significant other. Uh, he had already started going to sweat lodges in the mountains of uh, California and took me. And that's where my journey began. Uh, I started doing sweats. I started doing more ceremonies. I started participating in bear dances um, with an amazing community there in the, in the mountains of California, uh, intertribal community. And, um, and that's where the, the real journey began. Uh, for me on, on what we call the red road. And, um, and that's, and that's where I'll stop because that the memoir, that second memoir is going to talk about it. <laughs> Roger that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me just reiterate our thanks. Let me just say, thank you so much, Shonda Buchanan for taking so much time to talk to us about this important work you're doing and about our lives. There are so many, so much. There are so many different stories that you've touched on, uh, and they all embrace they embrace all of our races, whatever we are, wherever we come from. And you've given us a very clear path for how to think about this as we move forward. None of us really knows everything we need to know about ourselves and our past such that we can ever stop searching. And that's what you've done by example, and that's what Color seeks to do. And I think you have shown us that we have got, we've only scratched the surface. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And, and I love the comment that we've only scratched the surface. And I, I will say that there are books out there that have been written about this, but we just are not being taught this in our classrooms so that it becomes a common, common language, like English is a common language for America and yeah. 
certain other communities. We need a common language of true history. Yeah. Her book is Black Indian, a memoir by Shonda Buchanan. Get this book. Read it. It's history. It's entertaining. It's provocative. It's evocative. It's so many things. Get it. Read it. And I'm sure you're going to love it. Thank you again, Shonda Buchanan. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm very honored. You're listening to Colors. My name is Sara Kamali. I'm a first-generation American whose parents were born in Afghanistan. I'm currently on Chumash land in California. Race is a sociopolitical construct that has been wielded as a tool of oppression and power. The term I prefer for race is skin color, and the term I use instead of racism is skin color oppression, because both of these terms point to the fact that superficial differences are exploited when discussing race and racism. In the United States, the notion that the white race is inherently biologically and culturally superior has justified centuries of denying human beings the same dignity, rights, and opportunities of their white counterparts. Examples include the enslavement of black people and the genocide of indigenous Americans to the xenophobic violence targeting many communities of color, including Asians, Latinos, and religious communities like Jews, Muslims, and Sikhs. This is despite the fact that whiteness itself is a fluid category that has changed over time. Race, or the categorizing of people by physical features like skin color, is also the underlying foundation of white supremacy, which is justified by a pseudoscience called eugenics, which really came to the fore in the 1800s. The false concept of race and the pseudoscience of eugenics have both been leveraged by white nationalists in Europe, Australasia, and North America, particularly the United States, to demand a white ethnostate oftentimes through terror. Ultimately, the concept of race is a fallacy because we are all one race, the human race. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. Un, dos, tres. If you have any questions or comments about our show, send us an email. You can reach us at colors at thecolorspodcast.com. That's colors at thecolorspodcast.com. Coming up in our next episode of Colors. America has spoken. It wants diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And some key government agencies and organizations are listening. My office has taken what was handed to us um, earlier this year and strengthened it, put more concrete measures of effectiveness in. Ambassador Gina Abercrombie Winstanley. She's the State Department's Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer. But we have to go even further, and we have probably a hundred or so recommendations that are really going to be difficult and complex. Uh, things that are going to break some China, that are going to remove or shift some power dynamics that are currently in place, but are hindering progress as they currently are constructed. That's coming up in our next episode of Colors.
I'm Stephanie Gaines Bryant, a news anchor for WTOP Radio. I'm also a wife and mother of four and an African-American woman. Marieli Lopez Santana. I'm Puerto Rican and I reside in Virginia. I'm Dan Shelley and I'm white. My name is Albert Takeshi Shimabukuro. I am a Japanese Okinawan here in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm J.J. Green and this is Colors. This is our 75th episode of Colors, and what we're doing now is more relevant than ever. We've got a lot more work to do and a lot more shows to come. Thanks to all of you who've been with us from the beginning of this journey. We want to thank as well Ariva Martin. Thanks to Kaindi Andrews, Robin Gavon, Michael Grinston. Thanks to Ebony Thomas. And of course, we want to thank our core crew. Thank you, Hillary Howard, Mike Jakaitis. Thank you to Brennan Hazelton. Thank you, Rose Varner Gaskins. Thanks to the RTDNA. Thanks to Tawana Underdue. Thanks to Dawn Douglas. Thank you to Melissa Howell, Alfred Corchado, Julia Ziegler, Joel Oxley. Thank you to Gretchen Soren. Thanks to Jim Clapper. Thank you, Marvin Worthy. Thank you, Linda Worthy. Of course, we want to thank for our music, Jesse Gallagher, Cosmic, and Offshane. And thanks to all of you for listening. And remember, just keep talking to each other. And just as important, keep listening to each other. You can subscribe to Colors on Apple, Spotify, Podcast DC, Podcast One, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colors a dialogue on race in America.